Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Today on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, we sit down with David Levy, the president of Turner, to discuss if consumers are about to get the skinny bundle of TV channels they always dreamed of, whether advertisers overcommitted when they shifted their dollars to digital, and if there's a bubble in sports TV. Stick around. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Hello and welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm Stephen Perlberg, here joined alongside with Amal Sharma, He's the Media and Marketing Bureau Chief here at the Wall Street Journal. His first podcast. Welcome, Amal. Hello, Stephen. Uh, really excited. I will, I will endeavor to be as intelligent and witty and, and snarky as Jack Marshall. <laughs> well, you're my boss, so I wouldn't tell you otherwise. <laughs> okay. um, we'll see. And we're also joined, really excited for today's episode, by David Levy, who's the president of Turner. Uh, the company owns TBS, TNT, True TV, CNN. And uh, it's a particularly exciting time, obviously. The basketball playoffs are on TNT. Last night, we're taping this on a Tuesday, but last night uh, was game one of the Western Conference Finals. Very exciting. And uh, we're, we're really uh, happy to have you here. Well, thanks for having both Stephen and Mal. It's an exciting time. It's a busy time, I will tell you that. Very, very busy. Well, but uh, We appreciate you making exciting the Exciting for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. So it's also a busy time because this is the broadcast upfronts this week, uh, and you guys will be presenting uh, tomorrow on Wednesday. Yeah, tomorrow uh, morning. Tomorrow morning, uh, Wednesday morning. And uh, it, it's an exciting time because all of the networks are rolling out their fall seasons uh, for advertisers and uh, sort of the annual tradition. And it really comes at a time where there's this this tug of war between digital and television, and that's sort of the, the big topic uh, right now in, in media. And, and the, the narrative right now is sort of that you know TV's back, baby, right? The TV market is strong, and after some uh, bad headlines and maybe in the last few months, uh, that TV is back. And so I'm sort of curious to kick it off. What your view is is there? I mean, is is TV back? Uh, you know, or is this sort of just a, a constant push and pull? Well, first of all, I don't believe TV left anywhere. <laughs> I think TV has been around and will continue to be around. It may even be the golden age of television right now. I think what you're seeing is really just an evolution that's happening in this in this media industry. Um, you're seeing different. Um, contributors and different content developers come into the marketplace, different different distribution platforms that are disrupting the marketplace. And we all know this, which is very important, that is content is king. The consumer experience is important. And if you can marry great content with a great consumer experience, you're going to win in the marketplace surrounded by a great brand. Turner Broadcasting, and we're going to show it tomorrow, um, you know, we have incredible brands. Uh, CNN is, you know, is at all-time high right now. Um, you know, Cartoon Network doing very well, TBS and TNT with their new launches that we've come out with new programming. We can talk about that with E-League coming on in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, certainly our NBA playoffs last night, we did a huge rating uh, in the uh, Golden State-Oklahoma City game last night. So there's a lot of positive momentum happening within our brands, but we're also concentrating around the consumer experience as well. It, sure. Yeah, well, isn't there, I mean, look, uh, there seems to be a dissonance a little bit in in the the mood of the, the theme emerging um, from the upfront so far is as Stephen was saying things are looking up after a few down years. Mm-hmm. You're expecting ad commitments to grow this year, which actually didn't happen the last couple of years. Um, but the fundamentals, if you look at the same numbers that we'd look at in past years, ratings at major networks across the board are, are down. Cord cutting, subscription losses at all the big companies, you know, losing cable subscribers. That's still happening. 
How how is so? How do we explain okay. the optimism in advertising in that moment? Well, it, it, listen. This is a supply and demand business, and television is still the largest reach vehicle out there in the marketplace. So let's not forget how many times that you can put an advertising uh, ad on the TV uh, and see how many people you reach in any given moment versus you know accumulating reach around some of the digital platforms you're talking about. I think a few things have happened. Number one is when you talk about television being back, we look at the indicators in the marketplace. The scatter marketplace, scatter pricing right now uh, is high, high double digits, 30 40% over upfront price. To what extent is that a reflection of some of the difficulties in, in the last few years or sort of a correction in the in the uh, scatter pricing that kind of is a response to well, maybe some of the difficulties I, before. Honestly, you know, and it's probably out of the last 20 years, it may be one year um, that scatter pricing hasn't been above upfront pricing. So typically you're always going to see, but you're not going to see 30 to 40% above. And I think that has a lot to do with, as Amal, you just mentioned, is there is a shrinking supply of GRPs in the marketplace. But if there's a high Translation, demand, ratings are down, and there's a scarcity that comes with that. Well, well, yes, well said. <laughs> um, so when when the, when the supply of in ratings GRPs are down, but the demand is up, that's where you're going to see pricing go up. And why is demand up? Demand is up because there's been there was a quick move of a lot of digital a lot of television dollars going to digital. You know, basically, a CMO is saying, you know what, I want to try new things. I want to try Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram. I want to try all these ad ad hoc. Um, opportunities around the digital marketplace. Um, Are they have buyer's remorse now? No, I think, you know, there's still, listen, digital's here forever, guys. We, we have great digital products. I have Bleacher Report, CNN.com. We, we love the digital business, right? Multi-platform is part of it. But brands do matter, right? And content matters. And the consumer experience matters. And so if you can put those together, I see our product, our digital, our, our thought about how we go to the marketplace is I want the reach, Right. But I also want to make sure that we can personalize and localize. So in this marketplace, what you're seeing is this. I think that's why dollars are going to shift back. And what we saw last year in the upfront, and I think it's going to continue. It's, it's television is starting to act more like digital. What are we getting? We're getting the analytics. We're getting the data. And we're getting the target marketing that made digital very sexy. What is digital doing right now? Digital is trying to act more like television. They're trying to get all the video content out there in the market, right? Facebook Live and Twitter now has... Vice is launching a TV channel. Vice is launching. So you're getting digital trying to act more like television and television trying to act more like digital, right? And they're going to meet somewhere in the middle. And I believe the winner in this is going to be the TV business, the media companies that have the quality brand and the reach and the quality content with the analytics. Got to have the analytics. And so we have products out there, and, and this is what we're seeing in our marketplace, where we have audience-based targeting and we guarantee KPIs, the advertisers, what they want, not it's, it's CPMs. probably worth for, for our listeners to sort of they, – they might have heard about these data targeting products. A mm-hmm. lot of networks are launching them. How does it work? If I'm a marketer, if I'm a CMO and I come to Turner and I want to target – Luxury car buyers. Yep. How do you give? How do you deliver? We, okay, yeah, they're on True TV. They're on TNT. How do you find them? How do you deliver them? Okay, we find it through uh, many different ways. Set top box data. We find it through Catalina data. We find it through third party data, and we also have our own first party data. So you can get the same information that you can get whether you're doing on a digital cookie, right? That you can now get from the TV uh, uh, information. So if we can target like the digital marketplace and have the reach and have 
the quality premium content, I think that's the winning formula, and I think that's where television has to go. This is an evolution. And so I think you'll see dollars coming back as long as we can do the same target marketing that our digital counterparts can do and do it with the quality content that we have. Then you couple this also, what I would say, one of the things that we're in charge, and we see other people now following us, is we went out very early talking about reduced ad loads. There's your consumer experience. So first you have the quality premium content, but you also have the consumer experience, and you also have the analytics. So that's the the, the trifecta, if you will. So um, we're out there right now talking about True TV in this coming fourth quarter, reducing all of our primetime inventory in half. All of our original pro, excuse me, on True TV, all of in half, and on, on TNT, all of our new original program is going to have reduced ad loads, about probably half the amount, which gives us more content. So, are you doubling your pricing? Is my math correct on that? <laughs> so, you know, that's a good way to think. How do you how do you make up for that? There's a few ways you make. It. You don't have to automatically just double your pricing. I also believe the experience itself is going to be, but we know ad recall is a lot stronger, like in the 25-30% stronger range of people recalling the ad in a, in a less cluttered environment. That's a premium for that. Advertisers will want that less cluttered environment and actually pay for recall. Also, the experience itself. So um, if we do native advertising, native advertising meaning if it's something relevant to the show, I'll use um, Capital One as an example around March Madness when Charles Barkley and... Uh, and um, who was it? Uh, who were the other three in the area? It was uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I think, and um, Spike were in the car. Well, people stayed and watched that ad. It had a lot to do with the NCAA tournament. It had, it had you know, people that they recognize, and it was connected, a connected tissue. So when you do native advertising in these reduced ad loads, okay, you're going to see that the ratings itself, because you've got to remember some time spent viewing is one of the variables in Nielsen ratings. So if I can increase my ratings by 10%, 15%, have have recall or, or emotional attachment to these ads, it doesn't all have to be in the premium of the CPM. And the, the pricing would reflect that sort of integrated Correct. Uh, experience, right? So so that would be considerably more expensive than, you know, your standard 30-second spot for, for Yeah, marketing. but hopefully your rating increases also so it's not as expensive as, as it would have been if no rating increased whatsoever. Let me just ask you, do you think marketers have are paying a price for Backing, as you said, there was a quick move away to to the digital uh, to the to the digital players. I like to think of it as marketers wanted to see other people. They started dating digital, mm-hmm. and then they realized, you know what, my true love was right here all along. It was TV. <laughs> but really, that's kind of an oversimplification, right? I mean, these yeah. guys never moved that gra- that dramatically in that direction, and now maybe there's a correction. My question is. Uh, did they pay a price for this? I mean, I saw David Poltrack, who is the, the research officer at yep. CBS, yep. Uh, executive there. He said something interesting, which is he thought that the U.S. retail sales slowdown um, was, or, or the stagnancy there is at least partly due to the pullback in TV advertising by big retailers and consumer products companies. Do you agree with that? Is that, is that your We point? have seen data uh, on food products and things of that nature that have moved, and even you know some of the um, um, consumer products uh, that shifted large sums of dollars over to digital. We have seen that they have lost some sales, dramatic sales, double-digit in sales when they pushed that kind of money. We, 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 we looked at the top 30 who really made a shift, and we did see that. Um, but, you know, listen, you know, I, I think I read something, and I think it's true, that, you know, if you're an Oreo cookie lover and you're targeting only Oreo cookie lovers, and that's all you're targeting, then you're not reaching anybody that could be an Oreo cookie lover. Right, so there's target marketing, and there's also reach. You also want to reach new people that may want an Oreo cookie, or or thinking about 
maybe having a cookie and didn't know what they wanted, right? So you still need to build a brand. And if you're launching a new product, if you're launching a new Oreo cookie that's out there in the marketplace, do you want to just reach the same people or somebody that may try the new product? And I'm just using that as one example. But I think that's, that's what you have to, you, to, to realize is that you, I think there's a balance. As I said, I don't think, I don't think digital is going away. Right? I think it's going to be a big part of the whole evolution of what we're seeing. And by the way, what's talked about most, most in social and everything else? Sports and entertainment. Well, g- given that it's upfront week, we should probably talk about what the actual upfront presentations are about. They're about the content. They're about the shows, right? Correct. And so when I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm watching you know, all these sizzle reels after sizzle reel, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, I remember this from last year, and plenty of these shows aren't around anymore. Uh, networks don't have a great batting average when it comes to the shows that they present. And it seems like you know, th- this business model of let's invest a ton and make all these shows and you know, hopefully some of them stick, mm-hmm. is that sustainable? I mean, at what point does that not make sense anymore? Yeah, I think that evolves also. I think you're starting to see that you know, you know, in this uh, very competitive environment, it's hard to have hits come out as they used to be. It used to be very easy. You, you, know, you, you market the hell out of the premiere, and then you know, the rest of the show speaks for itself for the next, next 10 weeks. You actually have to market almost for five, six weeks to get people to really understand what the show is and to test and market it and use different, different platforms to help uh, get sampling done. But, you know, Turner, I'll only use us as an example. You know, let's use some of the new shows that we have, have got some critically acclaimed success with already with our new launches, a relaunch of TBS. We have three shows that have launched. We launched Andy Tribeca with Rashida Jones, and we did a 25-hour stunt commercial-free. All 10 episodes were, were launched at the same time on the same day and then repeated again. For 20, it was a 25-hour stunt, no commercials. Got critically acclaimed linear's version of the binge huh That's it was yeah but but it was new it was unique to the market but i think if i launched it in the in the in the simple way that we've always done where you run one half hour show one week and we do it again and again i don't think we would have gotten that kind of attention on it second show was samantha b and of course this political environment has been she has been a you know a huge success for our company um she's killing in late night and so those two combined and then our third which is detour uh, is already having a buzz factor for possibly the best comedy out there right now uh, with uh, Samantha Bee's husband, Jason Jones. So we, we've got three out of the, out of the gate, um, and I think we're just going to build from that, and we're going to talk about in the upfront those three shows, but the other shows like E-League that we're launching in two weeks. So I think, listen, it's harder and harder to do, but you know what? You have to have the right marketing. You have to have the right content, and you have to have the right push of what the show is or the actual you know remember the show is no good nobody's going to watch it isn't it isn't it becoming more important the, the the types of deals you do when you when you bring on a show now seem like they're changing not just for turner but across the industry meaning that you want to there seems to be a push to own the shows more to actually not just be the network licensing them from some studio you want the <coughs> rights you want to have them be able to distribute them online the back episodes they call these well, stacking rights they're called but getting the full season of those episodes up on your app or on your or on cable on demand that, is that becoming a much bigger 
has uh, to. Uh, um, <coughs> part of your demand in a deal with these people. Well, it has to. You talked about studios. you talked about things in in the marketplace that are changing, right? You called cord cutters, cord shavers, cord nevers, you know, and and the things that are happening and evolving in this marketplace. So owning your own content is extremely important if you want to get sampling done, stacking, if you want to sell international rights, if you want to sell to SVOD, if you want to sell to syndication, all these other different opportunities to um, acquire, you know, revenue opportunities, right? What if, if I, you told the talent, you know, that some of the talent complain sometimes, well, if I, if I give over my stacking rights or the producers who make a show, they're sort of in fear that Netflix isn't going to cut them as big a check well, we, at the end of the day. What, how have you We haven't that? seen that. I'm just, you know, I've, I've heard that we have not seen it with any of our properties, meaning that we've stacked them. I'm 100%, so is John Martin and our whole company, Warner Brothers. We understand that stacking is critical for sampling. Right, because if you're talking to your friend and you're saying you're in episode seven, and you only have a rolling five, which is five episodes on, on and you and you can't see the other episodes, you're probably not going to watch. It's worth explaining just for our listeners what what you mean when you say stacking. What that so stacking entails. means if you have twelve episodes, you're stacking all twelve. As soon as one, as soon as uh, uh, episode one is on, episode two, episode three, you can go back and watch episode one, episode two, see before you see right. episode right. four. Right. A rolling five used to be if you were in week seven, you wouldn't get to see one and two anymore. You only get the five most recent episodes Correct. on, Correct. on demand on so demand service. We're yeah. committed to putting all twelve up and keeping them up. Okay. Even if that was going to be sacrificing maybe some SVOD money, which we haven't seen yet. Okay, that is we, that we don't believe that is true. Although you know, I can't speak for everybody; I can only speak for myself. So, but we we think it's critical. And when I say critical, is because in this competitive marketplace, we need sampling. We need sampling of Detour. We need sampling of Samantha B. We need sampling of Angie Tribeca. You just need people to test these shows out, give them right. a shot. And giving them a shot so yeah. you can have season two, season three. And what also is changing very dramatically in this marketplace is when you order season two. A lot of times you need to order season two even before season one is even ended. Right. You know, this, that, this is just an, you know, and you have to feel confident enough uh, in your, you know, producers and directors and your and your executives and so forth to make sure that this is something you want to actually green light a season two and before season one is over. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Back with more with David Levy after this. I'm Veronica Dagger. Do you want to know how the rich invest, spend, and protect their money? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. David, um, everyone wants to do a skinny bundle right now. I like, now, I like to be skinny. <laughs> you want to be skinny. Everyone wants to be skinny. <laughs> a skinny bundle. That's the myth. Well, there is this mythical skinny bundle. Just to explain to people out there, we're talking about this idea of a streaming bundle of cable channels 30 bucks 30 to 40 maybe 30 if you're lucky all the channels that you want everything you want but none of the bad stuff on the cable nothing that you don't want right and then obviously the big broadcast network so you don't miss any of your big events so no one's really pulled that off sling has gotten close um you know apple has tried hasn't quite gotten there and hasn't launched a product now we hear hulu is working Mm -hmm. on this um does Hulu have a good shot at pulling this off? And and um, I assume you guys are talking to them like everyone. We certainly has. are. Uh, I, I can't speak for Hulu pulling it off or not. I mean, let's let's go talk about what a skinny bundle is, and you know who wins in that, who loses in that, and 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 how we feel about it from a Turner perspective. 
So first and foremost, I'm going to say that the cable business right now, the ecosystem, isn't as it, I think it's pretty strong. And in fact, you looked at some of the uh, reports from Comcast and Charter and things like that. You see that there's there's not this deterioration that uh, has been happening over the last couple of years, or less of it uh, in that sense. And I still believe the cable package today, the 80 to 90 to $100 package, is still a great value. And I think there's been a bad marketing of what that value really is because it, it is, um, you know, you are getting your broadband, you are getting your telephone, you are getting your cable in that package. So I still think that's going to survive. I still think that's going to be strong. It's going to be healthy. But I do believe there's going to be other options, and that goes into the skinny bundle opportunity. And so from a Turner perspective, you know, I look at it as, you know, let's look at all of our brands, right? And I think that if you look at the quality of our brands, the strength of our brands, we have three of the top ten cable networks right now and from a ratings perspective in the marketplace. We have the two most, one of the two most profitable networks, two, two of the most profitable networks in the top five uh, with TBS and TNT. So, and the content we have. We have sports, we have kids, we have news. And if you take a look at those four uh, networks, Cartoon, Adult Swim being one network combined, uh, TBS, TNT, and CNN, those, those four networks really make up a majority of what our cable distribution dollars are. And those, we believe, will be in every package, any skinny bundle, because of the quality uh, of the content, the strength, and the rating points that we have, and, and, the, and, the, and the content, like and sports. your competitors out there are arguing similar things, right? These are our great, strong brands, and they need to be in any sort of package, and, yeah. and it, it becomes... You know, when you start adding it up, it becomes impossible to then get to the sort of magic number or the the you know the place where it, the package could be thirty to forty dollars. What do you think are the uh, the big barriers to there being this sort of simple skinny bundle that that people that people want? Who, like, who's going to nail this, and what is it going to take to get everyone in the room to make it possible, or or is it not? Uh, it's a great question. You know. Um you know, to me, I'm agnostic, right? If everyone wants to have my networks and we can cut a, a deal that works for everyone, including myself and our company, um, we're going to be happy to be on all the platforms, right? Because I want to make sure that, my, you, know, uh, you know, be where the consumers are, fish where the fish are. If they happen to be on, as you said, Apple or Hulu or Amazon or YouTube or anybody else that may come out with a virtual MVPD, um, we want to we want to have conversations with them, and we have been having conversations. Is the Apple thing still going, or is that totally dead? You're still talking to them. You know, Apple's a, Apple's. You know, listen, it's a great brand. It's a great uh, distribution platform. I'm sure they're going to figure it out at some point um, with that. So, um, so who's going to figure it out? Remember, none of this stuff comes with any broadband. Any, any, any telephone, you know, you know, none of that comes with it. So, you know, it's going to be what consumer wants this product. Is there really a consumer need for it? You know, so we're, 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 we're going through that right now. Um, you know, Sling is out there. Sony is out there. Um, I think there'll be two or three others. But I just don't look at skinny bundles as the only answer for us. You know, I also, you know, we just launched um, uh, Filmstruck, which is a dire- our first direct-to-consumer product. Um, which we hope to have high hopes on that. We'll probably have a second product coming out as well. So if you just look at different revenue streams for companies like a Turner or anybody else, our competitors, we now are going to have direct-to-consumer products. We're going to have OTT skinny bundle products. <laughs> We're going to have our normal distribution, with our, with, which we like a lot, which is with DirecTV and Sling and Comcast and Charter and all that. So our, our ecosystem that we live in today. Right? We're going to own our own content with SVOD. 
We're going to have our international rights with our content that we've, you know, we're, we're pressing up. We're doing over a billion dollars of investment in, in content over the next, you know, three to four years, um, which you're starting to see right now bear fruit. I haven't talked about TNT's new original programming that we're going to talk, uh, that will be aired or shown tomorrow, Wednesday, at our upfront. But this is a lot of different opportunities. And when does Filmstruck launch, by the way? That, is that, is it'll that it'll launch this fourth quarter. So that was interesting because the direct-to-consumer, you know, we talked about this before, but the direct-to-consumer trend or fad was kind of really hot 18 months ago where, where after HBO went um, over the top, your mm-hmm. sister company, um, with HBO Now, and then you had CBS do a, a direct-to-consumer subscription service, CBS All Access, uh, and there were kind of a flurry of these announcements now the skinny bundles have kind of moved to the fore as as the thing that cord cutter that might really satisfy the cord cutter. And part of it seems to me the economics are, seem really tough for the big networks. I mean, you guys are doing an art house film service, and maybe mm-hmm. there's another one coming. But TNT, um, you know, TBS, or if you're Disney doing this with ESPN, if you're going to go direct to consumers and get go from reaching 90 million cable subscribers to however many sign up to that thing. You know, math yeah, to charge enough for that it seems tough. Tell me how, how yeah, do you I don't, I don't, those Again, I can't speak for Disney or yeah. Comcast. I only speak for, from from a Turner perspective. I don't see us going out with a separate TNT and a separate TBS. I see us. It's because more, of the math doesn't add up. I, I, no, I think we still have a relationship with our cable operators. It's a very good relationship with them, and so you know, virtual MVPD, yes. Um, but I don't see us doing that from a direct to consumer basis and compete on on that level. Um, so I, I don't see that for us. Uh, what I do see is new opportunities like a film struck and, and like a, a second product that we may come out with with library that, that we're not using or not being used. What about used. kids? You guys got Looney Tunes, right? You've got Cartoon Network. Kids, why, why kids might kids be an interesting are... one. Yeah? Kids might be an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> do we just call it? Do we yeah, just we predict just, it? No, <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying you know, there's opportunities for a lot of different products. This podcast but, has a history of predicting yeah, these things before. We break right? a lot of news on Dr. Shamey. Um but but going back to you know these different opportunities is it's important and and you said it earlier you if you don't own your own content you can't play in these different opportunities right someone else is playing in them so it's very important to to own your own content and one of the things that we're doing one of the things we're excited about certainly i have great sports properties out there right we have the you know, we have uh, the nba uh, playoffs right now. Great game last night. We have postseason baseball. We have the NCAA crowned a champion this year at March Madness. First time ever in the history of cable. But we're launching in two weeks our own league. By the way, how lucky are you to get that to be your first final? I know. How great was that? I, I, mean, I pinched myself. It was. Uh, I'd rather be lucky than good. So uh, yeah, was, let's talk. I mean, let's talk sports. This is good. This is uh, this is you know happening right now among us. I mean, you, you mentioned the uh, the NCAA final. It's yep. a huge game. Huge. It was awesome. Uh, but I mean, you couldn't ask for a better game. It was a buzzer beater. But the the ratings were down slightly from from last year. I mean, ha- when you looked at that the next day, you know, what was your what was your view? You know, honestly, it didn't surprise me um, because the whole tournament was down the whole year. The, the whole uh, 2016 March Madness tournament, from the first uh, round all the way to the end, were down. We had a couple of windows, I call them, with different windows that were up. But overall, the tournament was down. It didn't seem to have the big market and the big teams. The upsets are great. I say upsets are great for newspapers and headlines, but they're not great for television ratings, right? Because once you lose some of the stronger brands, Michigan State was out. Louisville didn't even play in the tournament this year. Kentucky got knocked off by Indiana. Um, there, Kansas was out. I mean, some of these big branded market teams, the West Coast was almost non-existent. So... Um, 
it was a tough tournament. But you know, if you're if you're leaning towards saying is this a cable thing versus a broadcast thing, I think maybe you might have been leaning that question in. You know, last year in 2015, we had the Kentucky um, Wisconsin game in the semifinals on TBS, the cable network, if you will, uh, and it was the largest ever semifinal rating in 19 years, broadcast or cable. So if you have the storylines, the games, the, teams. the tough teams, you're going to get the rating because people are going to find it, right? And if you took a look at social, what was going on in that, fi- so we had semifinal games on Saturday. One was a 44 point blowout. Uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma didn't even show up oh, to yeah. the game. Those weren't good games. Yeah. Um, a, a, and then leading into the Monday night game, it was you know I, I expected there was going to be some fall off. Um, but what we did see, and this is where I think sports, and this is where this industry is changing so much, is when people on social were talking about what a great game was going on right now, we started seeing the ratings climb. And I think in the last ten minutes, yeah, we got close in. to we got close to a fifteen rating, uh, and if that went into overtime. Which I'm glad it didn't because I think, you know, from from a, historic, a from a historical no not quite lateness because you know listen it probably would give us more inventory to sell and the rating would have been higher overall would all would have been great but for us to have a buzzer beater as our first time ever crowning a champion on on TBS it just it just made it for a great night and you extended that rights deal right absolutely so uh, this why is, why wouldn't you right well this gets to the to the interesting question here on sports rights you guys did your um let's go back to the nba for a second mm-hmm. you did that that nba deal um i think it was in the fall of 2014 if i remember correctly and this this uh was a effective tripling of fees over the course of that deal along with espn which made the same bet um and how right after that not right after that but a few months after that all the discussion started swirling about cord shaving is picked up, cord cutting, what's going on, what, how uncertain is the pay TV ecosystem now. You want that one back, or do you think that? Oh no, that I don't. Deal want, holds I, I up like. Perfectly? I think those deals hold. Both these deals hold up over time for sure. I mean, listen, we're not a twenty-four hour sports channel, so we look at premium sports properties that are going to drive three areas for us: advertising, ratings, consumer, and our distributors. Right, and if it fits those three buckets, and of course, if it's financially sound, right, we can't do any deal that's not going to be financially sound for our company. So, but if it fits the, those buckets, we're going to look at it. You know, it's and so you know, if you take a look at our particular programming, we only really have postseason baseball with a few regular season games. We basically a majority of our NBA, as far as dollars and weight of GRPs, is all in the playoffs. Um, although we do have an exclusive Thursday night package, which is great. And in the new deal, we're going to actually have 12 Monday night games um, that we're going to do after um, Monday night football. So when football ends, we'll end up having some, some Monday games on TNT as part of our new deal. But So exclusive, exclusive Thursday nights, um, our, our, our playoffs on NBA, our postseason baseball. We have one golf event, which is a major, the PGA Championships. Um, and we have the NCAA tournament, right? So you have destination programming that we believe works for our cable operators, works for our consumers, and works for our advertisers. Still every, every bit as much leverage with the distributors, with the cable people, as, as, as sports has had over the past decade. You it, think it'll still keep having that? It, listen, it's destination programming. You know, I mean, you know, this is a this is a, a day and age where you know we're talking about stacking rights and 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 and, and Netflix and, and Hulu, sports. You're gonna, you know, that game last night did. I, I don't have the exact rating, but I know it was like a six five six nine rating last night. Game one, right? This goes to game seven. We're gonna probably see history be made 
as far as ratings are concerned uh, from a basketball perspective. Well, great. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks so much, uh, David, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be watching the rest of the basketball. Uh, Please do. And eSports. Don't forget about eSports. And eSports. Uh, so that, that wraps it up for the WSJ Media Mix podcast. Uh, thanks to our guests. Thanks them all. And uh, thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.